What's up, everybody? It is actively lazy. I've cut out the Kanye thing for reasons <laughs> known to everybody. Anyway, um, it's actively lazy. With me is Joe, who needs a QB. Matt, um, it was Joe two and zero for a while there. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. I, we only lost one game in the two weeks since. Yeah, but you still it, it might it might come fast the next Sunday. But. <laughs> Uh, we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, we'll be pretty quick today. Um, for anybody that's obviously tired of hearing about Tua, I apologize. This is a Wednesday night show instead of the usual Tuesday. And we cover the previous Thursday night game. And the biggest storyline was obviously the injury to Tua, um, getting his unofficial second concussion uh, in less than a week. Um, what were your thoughts on the game and then obviously the injury? Um, the game, I think, you know, this is what you wanted to see from Cincinnati. I think both of us had Cincinnati winning this game because it was a short week. Miami's kind of coming off of a a big win. And then, yeah, the two injury didn't help. But, yeah, Burrow looked good this offense. He only got sacked once, which is obviously the thing you're really keeping track of if you're Cincinnati. Uh, they still haven't gotten the run game going, but – Everything passing was working for Cincy. Their defense showed up. It was just a good win. I think this was kind of also the uh, – I mean, Tua getting hurt hurts. I thought Bridgewater played well, though, when he came in, which is, again, why I think it's ridiculous that they didn't take Tua out the week before when he, for all intents and purposes, got concussed. Yeah. But I think this was the comeback to reality game. Miami is not one of the five best teams in the NFL. You know, like – it would have been weird if they continued to be one of the two undefeated teams because I think Philadelphia is legitimately that good. Miami is a good team. They will probably make the playoffs, whether it's Teddy or Tua. But this is not a team I think is a true contender, so this was kind of a reality check. I still am impressed about the Dolphins' defense um, and their ability to um, get turnovers. I think they're a pretty solid unit. Um, they were – to me, the wild card uh, coming into the season, because I figured the offense would be explosive knowing Mike McDaniels yeah. uh, and the weapons that he has. But I did not expect the defense to just to just gel like they have. And, uh, you know, given what happened to Tua, I mean, even on a short week, um, this is just too much to overcome for this team um, mentally, I think, more so than anything else. Because obviously you see, you know, your quarterback and, and teammate on the ground like that, it can affect you and they're human. Um, so mm-hmm. it, um, I think at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of factors contributing to them um, not playing up to the level that uh, they had been as a three and O team. And, you know, like you said, this was a game that we expected them to lose. Can I just say that I was, I'm, I'm with you on the Zach Taylor train now. I am not a fan. I thought that the Bengals, they do too many side-to-side plays for a team with weapons like they have. I literally have uh, screenshots of me like begging in the chat, like, where's Boyd? Get the ball to, to, to Boyd. Like, this is the game that Boyd would be so useful in because he occupies the space underneath and he's quick side-to-side. But yeah, don't you also don't call call the line of scrimmage. Well, the, the final touchdown, I put the game out of reach. If I'm remembering right, you you texted us like play action to the tight end because they yeah. just kept running it straight into the line, which 
if you can't run on the rest of the field, you're not going to run effectively at the goal line. Yeah, and they did three straight run plays. And then finally, they literally did what you said, and it was an easy touchdown. Yeah, you know? like it's it's not rocket science sometimes, and not when and you it, have this talent. Yeah, and it made me so angry because I'm I'm just like, dude, if I'm sitting at home and I can see this, like this is what you should do, especially based on how the Dolphins were playing you on the run. You should be able to see that on the field. It just bothers me. Um, and as we get into this next game, I have other grievances with piss poor goal line play calling Viking Saints. Uh, This was the London game. The Vikings ended up winning 28 to 25. This game should have been a blowout. And and again, Saints defense, a lot of credit. They're a good unit. But man, there was so many opportunities for the Vikings to put this game out of reach. It should have never come down to a field goal attempt in the end. I can't really talk much about this one. I just slept through this. It starts 6 a.m. Oh. my time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm willing to make that sacrifice when the Giants play Green Bay next week, even though it'll probably be painful. But for the Vikings and Saints, I'll be honest, I was like, I'm going to catch some Z's on this one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, to, to put it uh, into perspective, it was a lot like the uh, Bengals game. A lot of side to side. Um, Kirk Cousins just not completing easy throws when they were right there. Uh, no consistency in their uh, approach for the Vikings, like their attack. It was hard to understand what their game plan was in the first half. And it showed like they got their first drive, their touchdown. And and once the Saints made an adjustment on the fly, it didn't seem like they had a real plan B. My issue with them was the lulls. In their um, in their offense, on a against a team that wasn't really moving the ball at first, like the Saints were not moving the ball at first, and then once the Saints got a rhythm, at one point they even went up, which is embarrassing. <laughs> they should have never been winning the game, uh, but at the end they they did win by three, but still just doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Uh, and they and they actually have an excuse though; it's a first year head coach. So they have a slight excuse, but either way, these these guys just seem to not understand how to put the ball in the end zone. And and it's very bothersome because it's not hard in the NFL. I mean, they'll give you a penalty to extend your drive. <laughs> We've seen that plenty that of times. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, yeah, from- it's a good comeback game for him. Yeah, but him and, him and Chase seem to uh, – to be a little slow um, to adjust this year to when guys are putting their hands on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in regards to Justin Jefferson, uh, at some point the, the Saints just got away from it. But early on, uh, when they were like, you know, I don't know if it was Lattimore, but when, when they were more aggressive with yeah. him, um, it seemed to it seemed to give him um, a little bit of. Of problems, and I think a lot of that has to do with Kirk Cousins just not being confident enough to throw into certain windows anymore. Um, and he got he got sacked uh, quite a few times, um, or pressured quite a few times with just basic three to four man fronts and dropping uh, seven to eight in coverage. Uh, and that's something that we're gonna I think we're gonna start to see a lot of in the NFL uh, as. People continue to rotate pass rushers. The Niners do a great job of it, as well as the Cowboys. 
But as people continue to, to just rotate pass rushers on a more regular basis and just using different different looks for the linemen. Um, but I, I thought they did a great job of, of giving the Vikings fits, and that's what kept them in the game. So I'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if if there's some film out on the Vikings. Um, and obviously the Bears are not talented enough to necessarily expose that. But as they get into their next game against the Packers and the rest of their schedule, if more talented teams will be able to to expose that. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a big win just because I think these are two teams capable of getting one of those, you know, final one or two wildcard spots. And so just having that, just being three and one at this point is a big win for Minnesota. And New Orleans is kind of facing a, a must-win game against the Seahawks next week. So against the backs against the wall for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and no bye week coming from London. Uh, Browns, yeah. Falcons. Sure. Wouldn't call this necessarily a surprise, although there is a certain Falcon fan who um, who has a grievance with you. He will remain unnamed. But uh, <laughs> the irony uh, is, I actually on my picks this week, I I picked them to win this game. So I'm not even surprised they won this game. I just don't think there's going to be a whole lot of wins in the Falcons' future, more than likely. I have an I have a confession. I felt like the Falcons were going to win, and I changed my pick on everything oh. but my parlay. And I had a 14 oh. parlay. I know it was uh, it it's. <laughs> It's bad. No, trust me. So I had a 14 parlay. I had the Falcons. Um, or sorry, I had the Browns. That was the one that didn't. Oh. Win. But I had the Seahawks. I had the Titans. Ooh. And I had the Jets. So, mind you, I would have been set. And I had $50 on it too. It really broke. My oh heart. wow. You had $50 I on that. I was very I was very confident, man. I know I was very confident, and and this isn't the the gambling show, but just know I was I was shooting a hot hand last week, and so I was letting that thing fly. And and no, no. Well, thankfully I just bet this game straight up and got the win, which I did with the Jets as well. So Jets Jets have done well for me the two times I bet on them, and I guess to that end the Browns have done well for me the two times I bet against them. But uh, the story here was the Browns could not stop the run at all. Uh, Atlanta finished with 131 passing yards, and they won the game because, I mean, Patterson got hurt pretty early, too. And Tyler Algier ends up with 84 yards on 10 carries. And then Caleb Huntley, who I have never heard of, um, the uh, aforementioned Falcons fan, was barely aware of his existence as well. This guy ran the ball down their throats in one of their drives. He finished with 56 yards. They could not stop Atlanta at all, even though they knew what Atlanta was going to do. Yeah, um, it it was an interesting, um, an interesting way that the game played out. Um, and like I told him yesterday, I wouldn't read into it too much, other than you know, some some days you're just not going to have your A game, and there are certain teams like the Bills this year, the Chiefs. Uh, maybe even the Eagles, um, they're teams that if they don't bring their A game, they still find a way to win. The Bills and Chiefs for sure can do that. Um, yeah. But the Browns didn't have their A game, and they couldn't find a way to overcome that. And so they ended up losing by three. I mean, the line was was one point anyway. 
So it was like, you know, people were, or eyes makers were pretty much yeah. saying that it was going to be pretty even. And, and to be fair to them, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney both missed this game. Yeah. I, believe I believe they're also missing one of their tackles on defense and all yeah. starting linebacker. So if you're missing four of your front seven, it makes some sense that you are going to struggle to stop the run. And yeah, I mean, like you said, this team's fine. I mean, I think if you're saying, again, they're just trying to bide time till Watson gets back. You're two and two at this point. You know, I wouldn't say you're thrilled with that, but you're not upset either. If this team could just stay right around 500 and Watson plays the way that they're hoping he does, then they'll feel good. And Atlanta, I mean, hey, two and two for them is definitely a win, especially starting out 0 and 2. I mean, they could very easily be 3 and 1 considering they blew the massive lead at the Saints week one. Yeah, uh, which is very shocking and um, definitely a big thing for them. Um, Bills, Ravens, we can go ahead and talk about it. I've had some time to think about it and cool off. Uh, and then uh, C. Fesnick, who's like the evolved version of you, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, like, bro, he's he's super nerdy. Like, this man does the math in his mind. Like, all right, well, there. I, I can't do the math on, yeah, I mean, he's. He's got the probabilities carrying the one over, and it's just it's just crazy. Um, but either way, he explained uh, the difference in the the percentages. He said that you know Harbaugh made the right call, mm-hmm. and that technically speaking, the interception was like the least likely outcome of the play, right. even if it didn't succeed. He said it was like three percent or something like that. And I get all that, but at the end of the day, I will say this: you know, I'm I'm analytical as far as like I, i'm cool with applying the analytics my issue in here is that this is the rare occasion where i'm wondering the variance on the probability of you winning if you score a touchdown and the probability of you winning if you kick a field goal was it really that much of a difference that kicking the field goal should have been completely out of the play um to, to that end i mean just percentage wise I would say no. I know that uh, Ben Baldwin, who has the fourth down bot on Twitter, which is the one I posted on Facebook, um, his thing said that was there was a moderate go for it. It wasn't one of the ones where it's like, this is an obvious always go for it situation. Mm-hmm. So to that end, I think Harbaugh reasoned it correctly in that our, you go up three, and at that point, the Bills are obvious. There's four minutes left, so they're more than likely four downs the rest of the way. Can you stop Josh Allen four straight times? And when you give the Bills that extra down, are you potentially even more likely to give up a touchdown and end up losing 27-23? And considering Buffalo got down, they ended up kicking, getting, reaching the one-yard line before they kicked the game-winning field goal. So if they'd wanted to score a touchdown on that final drive, they would have done it. So I think based on the way that game ended, he should feel right. Based on it being Josh Allen, he should feel like he made the right decision. And the other way is the way this game went with Buffalo's offense, where Buffalo was struggling really early on to do anything. And then on their last four drives, they had two touchdowns and a field goal. So the Buffalo offense was starting to move the ball much more effectively over the second half of this game. If that's reversed, if this is like the Bengals-Chiefs AFC title game last year, where you've now shut down the offense the entire second half, then I would say have faith, kick the field goal. 
but considering it was the reverse of that, I think he needed to be aggressive. And then, yeah, to, to the point you just brought up, the interception is the worst case because 90 whatever percent of the time you fail on the fourth down. The Bills are taking over inside their own five, which is mm-hmm. a really tough spot. So, I mean, yeah, if you if it was a situation where it's like, oh, if we fail, we know they're getting the ball at the 20, then you probably kick. But that's not reality. So I, I like Harbaugh. I think he's very smart about this sort of stuff. When he got to the podium, he laid out his thinking very clearly. So this is not a guy just randomly following the analytics, having not thought about the overall process. Yeah, and my other issue is um, that every time Harbaugh applies analytics, it backfires on him. It's been a <laughs> remarkable streak. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I I need to go back and, and uh, look, or maybe somebody's already done it, but I swear to you, it's a high percentage of failures. Well, I mean, last year he had the two two-point conversions in the last minute of games where he went for it to win, and they failed on both of those. Yeah. So, And I, I know there were some other, like, fourth down ones that were happening in that stretch, especially once Lamar went down. It seemed like they were so still in those games, but couldn't pull them out. So it brings me to one of my points that I always make when I complain about your boy Staley. Call your best play. Which, in this case, I will give him credit. I think that was his best play. Lamar missed an open guy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm not too upset about that. But those other two point conversions and stuff were. But I will say you mentioned coming around on uh, not not believing in Zach Taylor. Yeah, I, I think the Greg Roman of it all still continues to be an issue, even though he did call this play there. This this offense is just it's Lamar Jackson. That's kind of it. It's just it's not very creative. They haven't been able to effectively open runs outside of Lamar ones. Like they they need to be better because the defense is clearly not up to classic Ravens defense levels. It's I don't think it's awful. I mean again you give up twenty three of the Bills you feel okay. But it is a mediocre defense right now. Maybe they'll get better, but you're gonna continue to struggle against the really good teams if you can't create like easy running lanes for the actual running backs or you can't create easy pass plays for Lamar to execute. It's going to be trouble. And Bills, you know, like you said earlier, this was not their A game, not even close. And they still mm-hmm. come out with a road win against one of the better teams in the AFC. Yeah, and keep an eye on the Bills, man. They're getting pretty stale, too, in their approach. It's just – Well, they lost stable. That's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's – I'm trying to get Dorsey some time because it's, it's – No, he deserves some time. Yeah. But um, I think they, they need – they're – to me, they're falling a little bit into that um, Los Angeles Rams category, whereas like one guy's dominating the touches, dominating the targets, and then everybody else is just kind of out there. And in their case, they've got some some decent talent around them that, if they're utilized, can take some pressure off of Allen, off of um, off of Diggs, and and also help in the fact that they don't run the ball as well. Maybe they need to look a little bit further, like uh, Cooks. Like I know he fumbled, but give him a shot. I just feel like a little bit more potential on this offense that we're that we're not seeing right now, as opposed to Week One when they played the Rams and they were clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I would say at this point, I'm not sure why. I, you know, Zach Moss only had three carries in this game, but I'm not sure why you're playing Zach Moss over James Cook. 
I think we kind of have our answer on Zach Moss. Singletary's fine. But yeah, I think you really want to see Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, see them get more involved. Especially, I mean, Davis obviously looked great week one. And I mean, he's been banged up, so hopefully that's a health issue and he's going to get better as we go. But yeah, if this is, I, similarly, if this is just the Allen and then with Diggs, if it's just the two of them, then you're going to have more games where you only score 23 points. Um, next game, Commandos versus Cowboys, the air quote rivalry. Um, the Washington Commandos fell uh, 25-10. And um, there's not much else to say. Uh, I don't I don't foresee them winning more than four games, man, at this rate. Cowboys continue to still win despite not having Dak Prescott. This isn't a game that I expected them to really lose anyway. Uh, next week versus the Rams will be a good test. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dallas just continue to deserve credit for what they've done since Dak went down. Cooper Rush, I mean, I know he had two interceptions that got called back for penalties, so this wasn't the cleanest game from him. But hey, he didn't throw an interception that counted, he only took one sack. That's kind of all you're looking for. He continues to have a really good connection with CD Lamb with 97 yards and a touchdown. Um, probably the most impressive thing for Dallas is they won this game. I mean, I wouldn't say super easily because this was, you know, a five-point game going into the fourth quarter. But you never really felt like Washington was going to win this one. And that's despite <laughs> Dallas not having the ability to run the ball at all in this game. Uh, 62 yards on 29 carries. And none of those are Cooper Rush scrambles. That's all the running backs and, oh, I guess two Cooper Rush scrambles. But for seven yards. So he was actually, on a per-carry basis, the most effective runner in this game. So, yeah, they did nothing in the run game. They had their backup quarterback, and they ended up winning by 15. So this defense has made the difference for them. Is that I thought this defense would take a step back. Last year, I thought they were a little overrated. They kind of got by, especially Trayvon Diggs, on forcing turnovers. They're just a lot cleaner this year. They're making a lot fewer mistakes, again, especially Diggs. Um, the way – probably no defense, maybe the Bucks utilize stunts on their pass rush as much as Dallas, just really well-coached defense. And then, yeah, Washington, it's a mess. Somehow Washington and Indianapolis both got worse in their quarterback quarterback swaps. I'm not sure how that was possible. (laughs) Carson Wentz continues to just – he had a good week one, been a disaster since then. Um, Yeah, I, I don't really have anything good to say about Washington. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a long season for them, and um, I'm I'm not buying into the Cooper Rush uh, needs to stay stuff either. No, I, that's I think, ridiculous. I, He's I done well, great job. Yeah. But like he, Dak Prescott is at minimum a borderline top ten quarterback. Yeah, Cooper Rush is clearly one of the best backups in the NFL, but you know. Well, I mean, Nick Foles had a great four-game run in the playoffs once. That was a lot better than what Cooper Rush has even done. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles then proved over the course of longer amounts of time that he was not a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, th- yeah, no one should be falling for this four <laughs> you know, I guess he has the one win last year. He has the three this year. It's cool that he's 4-0. That won't continue against better teams, which we'll see. Maybe the Rams can do that, although – the Rams' issues on offense, I think they could have trouble against this Dallas defense. Uh, 
I, I think so too, especially with their front um, and yeah. the shuffle that they've got going on. If the, if the Niners gave them fits up front, then Dallas should also give them fits. Hundred percent. And then Washington, hey, start scout as a Giants man. You know, I've been used to this. Start scouting who you want to be your next head coach and your next quarterback. <laughs> That's where it's headed. Seahawks, Lions, Seahawks. Uh, one the, the Lions just can't win a game. At home, <laughs> yeah, like it's they just have all these random close ass games. Like they always, it's just Seattle wild. also plays a lot of weird games. Yeah, like, but I, I mean, I'm they've been able to win them so far. So yeah, but I'm baffled because as a gambler, like every time I see the Lions more than three, three, uh, three point dogs, I take them. Yeah, because they cover a lot of times. But last week I saw them as a favorite, and I was like, yeah, I don't think there's mm-hmm. ever a scenario where the Lions should be favorite, except for when they played the Commandos earlier this year. And I was like, oh, that's easy. But other than that, <laughs> I, I wasn't really 100% confident there. But um, it looked like a, um old-school Big 12 game, 48-45, man. It's a, it's a real shootout. Yeah, over 1,000 yards of offense in this one. Um, not a surprise because I think these are, I think Detroit is definitely a good offense. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to still see Seattle continue to do it. Although Geno Smith through the four weeks, uh, PFF's top graded quarterback. Um, I believe, I can't remember if it's fourth in DVOA and sixth in QBR or vice versa, but he's top six and basically the three biggest metrics in passing so and he's top six in epa as well so he's played phenomenally although detroit defensively this is a team they're 31st in defensive spending so this was not a defense that anyone expected to be good and they're probably i mean they're worse than even expected because detroit's number one in the nfl in scoring and they have been outscored on the season now it's by one point but on average their game has been 35 to 35.3 so this is a ridiculous amount of scoring with Detroit and Seattle's defense might actually be even worse. They're pretty terrible too, but it was a lot of fun, especially if you had fantasy players involved. Naturally I had Rashad Penny on my bench in a league, but yeah, I think this is kind of what you want to see in general from both these teams. I don't think anyone outside of the most deluded fan was really going into this year for Seattle or Detroit thinking like, Oh, this is a playoff team and I'll be upset if we don't make it. Assuming Detroit eventually starts winning some of these close games, you know, if they go six and 11 and you go, Hey, like we've got Amon Ross and Brown's awesome. Um, hopefully when they get Jamison Williams out there, he's productive. You're really just looking production from the young guys, which Jeff Okuda rough game this week, but he's been good. Otherwise and DK Metcalf is not the easiest assignment. And uh, w- one thing I want to shout out uh, decision-making wise which uh, I'm sure RCO loved this because he was coming at me saying that uh, Dan Campbell was our boy and why does he keep losing these games? <laughs> yeah. As far as Dan Campbell goes, I, I enjoy Dan Campbell. I'm not convinced he's a great head coach, but he is actually pretty good outside of, again, that fourth down we talked about last week where he should have gone for it instead of kicking. His situational awareness on like going for two and going for fourth downs is generally pretty good. Because they had, I'm trying to find exactly what point it was. Yeah, they were down 38-23 at the uh, beginning of the fourth quarter. And they scored a touchdown with 14 minutes left. And they went for two to cut it to seven. 
So, so many coaches throughout history and so many fans were just like, hey, no, you kick the extra point to, so that you're down eight and you ensure that it's a one-score game. Because if you miss the two, well, now I'm down nine. What the fuck? With 14 minutes left, you absolutely – every NFL coach should be going for two in that situation. Because if you don't get it, you now know I have to score twice. With 14 minutes, you can adjust, you have time to adjust your strategy around that. Mm-hmm. If you score – now, granted, in this game, everyone was scoring all the time. But if you end up scoring really late in the game and you score that touchdown and now you've got to go for two for the tie, if you miss that two then – Shit out of luck. You've lost the game. By doing this, Dan Campbell gave himself an out if they didn't make it. They did, so it worked out great. But every NFL coach, every high school coach, every college coach, if you're in the fourth quarter and you're down 15, you should be going for two the first time. Don't wait, Unless there's like two and a half minutes left because then you could just kind of like kill your team's momentum. But if you have enough time where you know you're going to get two more possessions potentially, you should always be going for two. And he's not going to listen to any of that and agree with it. So, but I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. And like I told him at the end of the day, um, my love for Dan Campbell is because, you know, he covers the number. That's and true. That's- well, again, yeah. He's very, uh, like you said, it's predictable. If you see the Lions as favorites, you should probably fade them. Mm-hmm. And if you see them as dogs over three points, you should probably bet on them, especially yeah. this year, because uh, this team can actually score and keep up with people. Um, the Chargers actually were able to run the ball, which is yeah, it was a a pretty big change from the first three weeks. Beat the Texans 34-24. Um, Texans going in the direction we thought they would be. Um, I was wondering if they could maybe surprise the Chargers here, but obviously not. They hung for a bit. I mean, I think if I'm remembering right, they recovered a fumble on a kickoff. And they were only down six, and that was in the fourth quarter. So they actually had a chance. They ended up getting negative six yards and kicking a field goal on that drive, which feels like the classic Texans. But, yeah, they were down three in the fourth quarter of this game. So, And they were down 27-7. to seven. So this was a you know good effort, Texans. But that kind of feels like what the Texans are. It's like, hey, you almost won a game, or you almost made it interesting. I mean, week one, they li- – Legitimately, that was what they did. They almost won a game and they ended up with a tie. So, you know, at the start of the year, we said this might be, if not probably is, the worst team in the NFL. And I haven't really seen anything to make me feel differently. For the Chargers, you know, it's a get-right game. You're just trying to get your team a little healthier, get a win. Mm-hmm. They did that. Mike Williams looked great. Um, Herbert looked a lot more comfortable, unsurprisingly, in this game, a week removed from the rib injury. And also playing the Texans. So, yeah, for the Texans, Damian Pierce looks awesome. But, again, I don't think Davis Mills is the answer. So, The Titans upset the Colts 24-17. Colts just... I don't know that we should be calling any game against the Colts. In hey, look, they were, they were three-and-a-half-point they dogs. Were, yeah, they were dogs. I, I'm just saying the Colts are that bad. Yeah, they, they're reeling a little. They need to get healthy, too, in the worst way. I mean, this offense, I believe in DVOA, they are now the bottom offense in the NFL. Like, they can't run the ball, which is a pretty big problem, which that's supposed to be their strength. And 
if you can just put brackets on Michael Pittman and try to make the rest of this team beat you, you're in a good spot. So, I mean, Titans, this is – there were four teams this week that won games running the ball for more yards than they had passing once you account for sacks. The Titans were one of them, which is exactly how they want to win games. This was a good game from Jarek Henry. Um, yeah, Titans, I thought maybe this team was going to go downhill after they got blown out by the Bills and lost to the Giants, but – this is what the Titans seem to do every year. They find a way to win these sorts of games, and they stay in the hunt. And our guy, Frank Reich, needs to uh, figure something out because he's going to be on the hot seat pretty quick here if things don't turn around. And once again, I really appreciate that the only game that this team won was the one that knocked me out of my eliminator pool because somehow the Kansas City Chiefs lost to this Colts team, which boggles my mind. I... um. I don't want to see Frank fire, but yeah, I, I don't I either. He's been through two quarterbacks. It's got to fall back on him at some point. I mean, yeah, if if this team doesn't make the playoffs, he might not. He might get fired. And in this division, again, I think the Jags are a lot better than they've been. But you know, we'll get to them. They showed some of their limitations this week. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta at least be close, and they've got very winnable games. In the next month and a half, I don't know that there's any game where you're going to look at, like, uh, until they play the Eagles on November 20th, every one of their games is winnable. But as they've proven so far, every game is losable for this team because they're the only team that almost lost to the Texans. So, and they ended up with a tie. So, yeah, they got to turn it around. Um, and they have the opportunity tomorrow with a couple injuries, though. Um, I'm Bears. Not huh? I'm not optimistic. Yeah, we'll see what Tristan says. <laughs> Bears, <laughs> Bears right. Giants. Uh, Bears just don't have enough, man. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. They just don't have enough. They do not. Uh, your quarterback options are very, very, very bad right now. So. Well, that's that's why my name this week is Joe Who Needs a Quarterback Match because we literally – I mean, we I guess not literally because Daniel Jones was technically on the field the last couple drives. We finished this game without a quarterback. Jones played the last two drives. One of them, Jones lined up at wide receiver and did nothing because they just needed him in there after Tyrod got concussed so that he could relay the plays because he has the headset. They ran, we ran Wildcat with Saquon taking snaps from shotgun. And then the very last drive, Jones just handed it off to Saquon. And that was it because his ankle was messed up. Uh, the Giants finished this game with 71 passing yards and nine completions. So, amazingly, the Giants had less passing yards and less completions than the Chicago Bears. And the Giants still won because we ran for 262 yards. So, great you know, great job by the Giants figuring out how to pull out a win without a remotely functioning receiving core and then without quarterbacks at the end. Um, but it helps that you play the Bears because if it, if it looks anything like this against the Packers, the Giants will be coming away losers. And, yeah, we, we had a Darnell Mooney sighting, so that was kind of fun for the Bears. But, yeah, this is every week for the Bears. They just, they're kind of just the worst version of the Giants, honestly. <laughs> they are, man. Like, there's no help on the horizon either. I don't know what they can do. 
Um, I mean, I guess the best case for the Bears is probably they go three and fourteen. They get the number one pick, and assuming that they've seen enough from Fields that they want to keep him, you trade out of that number one pick, you get a ransom because they've also not had a lot of picks in part because of the trade up for Fields. So if they could just re- do a massive restock in the off season, that's what they need to do. There's there's not a lot of hope for this season. And that's pretty much what I keep telling myself and everybody else is like, hey, look, they said they have a plan for next year. Let's yeah. give them till next year. Um, Jags, Eagles, the return of Doug Peterson was the storyline. They almost had it. Uh, somebody said – Early they, on, yeah. Yeah, they said the Jags played the, the best nine quarters of the, the season, <laughs> and that was going, going back from uh, their week two win and their week – Three win, and then the first quarter of this game. <laughs> yeah, it was the shutout against the Colts. They smashed the Chargers, and yeah, fourteen yeah. zero. I yeah, I looked at this game. I was like, whoa, what's yeah, going man. on? Although I will say, I have enough faith in this Eagles team that I wasn't like, yeah, oh, I wasn't. Man, if they're going to lose sure. this game, it was like, we'll see if this holds up, and it didn't. Uh, bad luck for Trevor Lawrence, kind of in that you're playing in the rain. You're up against a tough front. Loses four fumbles. He'll probably never do that again the rest of his career in a game. He sucks in the rain, even dating back to college. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. probably not not the best thing when you're playing in Jacksonville. But yeah. I, I did look it up today because I was doing some fantasy stuff earlier, and I was like, all right, it's it's supposed to be only a 4% chance of precipitation this next week. So <laughs> real safe uh, for Trevor Lawrence. What about the call to not take the points when they were up eight? Do you agree with that, the Eagles? Um, you're going to have to refresh me on this one because I was um, on, let I was me I'm not sure that I actually me, caught this one. Let me see if I can go by the play-by-play. It was towards the end of the game. Oh, um, okay. I, I've got it on the play-by-play. So we had fourth and three of the Jacksonville 21, a minute 54 left. And you're up eight. Mm. I mean, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I agree with it because of the conditions. But they can't win if if they're not gonna. If you convert, the the game's over. True, but if you, I feel like if you you kick the the field goal, the game is over. Right. I think the game's over. You convert either way because it was in the rain. And because of how effectively Philadelphia was running, because this is, again, we just keep talking about the teams that won with more rushing yards than passing yards in this game. I mean, they ran for 210 yards. So when you consider, and then you consider you have Hurts, I'm fine with it. If, you know, if you're playing in a dome, then I would just say, all right, if you can't trust your kicker to make a 39-yard field goal, you shouldn't be your kicker. So if that was the situation, I'd say kick it. But because you're out there, it's tough conditions, and you have been so effective. Granted, they you know they decided to pass the ball, but I think because you also have the threat of the run, that makes the pass more effective. So I'm okay with that decision. I don't like it. Um, Jets, Steelers, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, hey. Jets. The return of my guy. Can I say this? Can I say it? No, I can't say it. We're, we're a family show. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the returner, Zach Wilson. Um, but 24-20, and, and Pickett got in. It didn't look that great, but, I mean, you know, he's probably I mean, didn't expect, he, he didn't didn't expect to play 
after his he coach looked a lot better than his, his stat line is the one thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was saying last week, I, I didn't buy the idea that there was no chance. Hey, I was just going by what the man said. But uh, Kenny Pickett did not throw a ball that hit the ground in this game. Now, that does not mean he didn't technically have incompletions because I believe it was three interceptions in the game. But two of those hit receivers before they hit a defender, and one of them was a Hail Mary at the very end of the game. So he played a lot better than his stat line. I think it's absolutely the right move for him to be the starting quarterback going forward. Um, For the Jets, I mean, yeah, I don't think this was the sharpest game from Zach Wilson either. But, you know, if you're the Jets, you're not – you're not caring about how you win. It doesn't have to look pretty. You're just trying to build a foundation here. You got to win, and you got to feel good. That's all that matters. Um, and they're two and two, which I don't yeah. think anybody expected them to be that. I would have probably at the start of the year, I would have said I didn't expect it, but then I've actually bet on them the two times they've won. So, hey, I'll take it, Jets. I, I don't know that a lot more wins are coming down the, the pike here, but we'll see. But I think this this team actually, like, if Wilson progresses, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think there could be an interesting team the rest of the season. Yeah. Cardinals, Panthers, 26-16. Oh uh, Matt Rule's awful. I don't know how long he's got. Does he got a jumbo buyout? Is that why he hasn't been fired? He did have an – I'll have to Google his contract. But I remember because the Giants wanted to interview him, and he was kind of considered our top candidate when we ended up hiring Joe Judge. So just a great job that year with our candidates. But uh, he got an insane offer. I think it was like 50-some million dollars. And he called the Giants and we're like, yeah, we're not going to give you that much money because what the hell. It's seven years, $62 million. That's crazy. That was, that was his contract. And this is year three. <laughs> so that's why if you, you were wondering why he didn't get fired last year it's because he had the seven year 62 million dollar contract um yeah ballsy to give that to a guy who never had coached in the nfl besides i think one year on a low level with the giants and yeah it's backfired spectacularly i mean he went from joe brady as his offensive coordinator who I don't know, maybe Joe Brady needed more experience before he's in that role, but I'll tell you, going from him to McAdoo was not an upgrade. And definitely not for sure. Joe Brady was fun. It wasn't Joe, it was it was no. them. And again, this team when it was Joe Brady and it was Teddy Bridgewater. The offense wasn't good, but it was functional. And then you go to Sam Darnold, who is as bad as it gets. And I think Baker Mayfield's better than him, but he's working on again. Baker's not good though, and he's now working under McAdoo, who's as uncreative an offensive coordinator as there is in the NFL. And yeah, it's awful. And it shouldn't be this bad with a healthy McCaffrey, and you got DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson can at least run fast. So you should be able to score some points. This team is horrendous. And the Cardinals, like, hey, you get the win, but man, I don't feel good about them either. You've got. Kyler and Cliff just yelling at each other at least once every game. Yeah, I, I don't. I think still think the bottom could very easily fall out of this Cardinals team sooner rather than later. Patriots, Packers, Patriots, valiant effort, uh, didn't win, but 27-24 they lost. But my boy Zappy coming in, aka the new Brady. I can't wait. Right. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's got. Um, 
He's got your boy. He's got your boy Daniel Jones uh, nervous. <laughs> Why is he have Daniel Jones nervous? Because he's gonna get traded to the he's Giants. Traded to the Giants. Yeah, Zappy is gonna be our quarterback. Yeah, oh, you didn't know. I, didn't I definitely know. did not know that. Yeah, it's it's all the rage. I mean, I figured that was the only place he could go where he could actually start day one. <laughs> Y'all don't have a quarterback at all right now. I, so I, maybe, maybe maybe that's the next move for Carolina. Let's not rule them out either. Maybe they just say, "Hey, let's throw Zappy in there." That is let's true. Got Moxie. That's um, true. I mean, this game was really. I mean, Patriots run game did a great job. Uh, Packers. Packers run defense looked good against Tampa Bay, but I think that might just be because Tampa Bay can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. This is a consistent problem for the Packers over the last few seasons is stopping the run has been a struggle. And then, I mean, hey, Rodgers threw a pick six, which that goes a long way when you're the Patriots with working with your second and then third string QBs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Packers were better. It's uh, kind of shameful for them that this, they let this go to overtime. But, you know, they still got the win. They'll probably win on Sunday against my Giants, and they'll be 4-1 and one and feeling pretty good. But, uh, yeah, great great effort by the Patriots. This was fun. I watched this with the Patriots and a Packers fan, and so I got to troll the Packers fan for four quarters. So I enjoyed it. Always fun. Uh, Broncos, Raiders, uh, 32 Raiders, Broncos 23. Uh, I mean – it's just not what you expect for the amount of money that you spend on on a quarterback. No, and I mean, listen, I will crap on Hackett every chance I get, but it's not just Hackett. Russell Wilson clearly not playing to the level he needs to. Um, maybe Josh McDaniels is just always go- any game involving him will end in a Broncos loss. Maybe that's the rule going mm-hmm. forward is just hey if he's co- if he was coaching the broncos it was going to be terrible for them if he's coaching against them it'll be terrible for them um and then yeah they lost javante williams for the season which is not good especially since melvin gordon has fumbled four times already this season so that's why they also just signed latavius murray off the saints practice squad who was just in london yeah literally just played in London for the Saints. Now he is on the Broncos. Um, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. But, yeah, Denver is just going to be a frustrating team probably the entire season at this point. And for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, heck of a game, 144 yards and 28 carries. That's a, His demise seems to have been overstated. And yeah. the Raiders at least get to stay alive. I think if you're 0-4, I think that was a wrap. And so they they desperately needed this because they are going to Kansas City this week. So Chiefs, Buccaneers, uh, Brady's just taking L's left and right, man. Um, <laughs> I, I got I got the replay of um, Patty Mahomes' uh, touchdown. I, I don't even know what to call that throw, but he's just amazing. And um, you know, it was a good win for the Chiefs. Buccaneers didn't have an answer from the opening whistle, so. Um, you know, prayers up for Tom Brady, but it seems like this is the the beginning of the end right here. I mean, the upside is if you're a Bucks fan or Tom Brady fan, is Tom Brady played really well in this game. They ran the ball for three yards on six carries, and they scored 31 points because Brady put up 
385 and three touchdowns. He only took one sack on 53 dropbacks. Like Tom Brady showed up. He was awesome. The problem was Kansas City is more awesome. I mean, yeah, Mahomes continues to just do Mahomes things. Um, they have, when they run the ball, it's kind of over, I feel like. Because if you have to deal with an effective running game and Patty Mahomes, I'm not sure what you can do. Like, this Bucks defense, I still think it's pretty good defense. And they, yeah, they had no answers. So, you know, Kansas City, this is what you wanted to see coming off of kind of a bizarre loss to the Colts. This is still, if not the best team, one of the two or three best teams in the NFL. And they made no doubt about it. I'm not a big fan of the Bucks defense, but yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely weaker up front than they have been. That their ability to stop the run is clearly not on the level it has been. Rams, Niners, Niners, 24, Rams, 9. I'm not reading too much into that as a Niners fan. We typically beat the Rams during the regular season. Yeah. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan is, is virtually dominated um, McVay in the regular season. But, um, again, sometimes when you win, you really lose, and that's how I feel every time Jimmy G is our quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned earlier with how we think that Dallas is going to give this Rams team a lot of trouble, this offensive line is not the offensive line of last season. You know, Whitworth's mm-hmm. retired. They're not on that level. If you can get pressure, if you can shut down run lanes, yeah, it's not surprisingly, it's, there's going to be issues. And, yeah, San Francisco can obviously do that. This is This defense is playing at a really high level right now. I think mm-hmm. as high as anyone in the NFL. So that's – and then, you, you know, you just have Debo Samuel do incredible things and you can win games even though, yeah, I would say Jimmy G continues to be mediocre. I mean, you, you look at his stat line, he's one of the – he's Jimmy G is the ultimate. You look at his stat line, you think he played well. Mm-hmm. And you, if you watch the game, you don't think he played very well because this offense is just that good at creating opportunities and they have those type of players. Because you go, ah, 239 yards, 27 passes, didn't take a sack, didn't throw a pick. Like, ah, oh, he played well. But then you look at a QBR, PFF, or just the eye test. And again, you and I are on the same page. There's a reason that you moved up and you tried to get an upgraded quarterback. And sadly, we won't get to find out if that was going to work out this season, but there's no, regardless of what happens this year, there's no reason to deviate from that plan going forward. I hate it here. That's all <laughs> I can say about this. I hate it here, uh, but it is what it is. We're stuck with them. Um, and maybe this defense can continue to rise to the occasion and take us all the way. I mean, uh, you guys might be the division favorites, so yeah, I mean, we should be at this point, um, given how everybody else has looked and, and the fact that we have the number one defense going against uh, a team like the Seahawks in general who are just not that good and um, the Cardinals who want to fight each other and then the Rams that just don't seem to care. Yeah, I mean, every team in the division is 2-2, two and two, but I would say my feelings towards the Niners are by far the most positive just because, again, you have a dominant defense – got Shanahan and the playmakers. I feel like that's easier to overcome than the Rams without an offensive line or apparently a second wide receiver. Uh, the Cardinals, I think, are bad. And Seattle's defense is a disaster. So even if Geno continues to play well, I don't think they're 
going to contend for very long. And with that, we have wrapped up week four. Uh, any games you're looking forward to for week five? I mean, besides that uh, wonderful uh, London game we have to look forward to. No, you're not yeah. really looking forward to that. <laughs> I mean, I'm either going to enjoy it or I'm going to get drunk real early on Sunday. So it's a win-win. But uh, actual football games, I, I've got to say the Sunday night game, uh, Joe Burrow absolutely toasted the Ravens twice last year. Uh, different defensive coordinator this year, but we've already seen some people. I mean, we saw Miami just absolutely light up this Baltimore defense. So can the Bengals do that again? And uh, can Baltimore? I mean, they they kind of need the win. This is a tight division. Both of these teams are trying to put some distance between themselves and the Browns before Deshaun gets out there. So this is a big game for, with uh, playoff ramifications down the line. Um. Eagles Cardinals, okay. Just to see how the Eagles travel, um, I don't think the Cardinals can can beat them, but I just want to see if they struggle a little with the West Coast yeah. uh, difference. Um, but uh, that would be the game, obviously, that I want to see too. Is the one that you had mentioned? Um, yeah, it's kind of a weak slate this week. Yeah, which hopefully is good for the gamblers. But either way. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully better than my college bats. Um, so I, um, I'm going to be trying to do a um, like a live radio type thing for games. Um, I'll talk to you about it later, but I just wanted to mention that to the folks who do listen to our podcast that uh, we'll try to do some commentary uh, for games and, and get it set up with the with the new app. I'm working on that right now. When we launch that, uh, you guys will be the first to know. Um, and obviously this is Joe's first time hearing it. So he's like, what the hell? <laughs> but either way, it, it'll, it'll work for you. Cause it's primetime games only. And you're probably typically at home during primetime games as well. Um, Usually, so yeah. yeah, so we'll work it out either way. Appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, Niners better be three and two, uh, after this week, or I'm going to fight somebody. I'm actually going to be in Carolina. Um, I was supposed to get tickets, but my plug fell through. But I will be in the vicinity, close enough that I can literally get in the car and go punch Jimmy G in the face if he does something stupid. Then you guys can get Zappy. You're set. Hell yeah. I would take Zappy in a heartbeat. He would be perfect in that offense because he'll make the throws. It's not a problem. But <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that rant. We are under the hour mark, and that's good. So I will keep it there. Uh, we will see you guys back here for week five next week.